So have you been having fun doing your homework? Oh, that's enthusiastic. You're almost as enthusiastic as the middle schoolers. Hopefully you found some scriptures on your homework sheets that have encouraged you, that have built you up, that have strengthened you, that have given you new meaning, new identity. We've been talking about our core value identity. Our core values Brother DeMuth, I need you to run up and put my arrow on the... That's okay. Left one second too soon. We've been talking about our core value and our core value identity. We have agreed that our core value are those things that we hold at the center or the foundation that we desire the most and that it is what we base our lives upon and that our identity is that it's our character and our likeness. It's what we pattern ourselves after. When you see a doctor, you normally know a doctor because they're in a medical field and you identify them by a stethoscope, by their, by their demeanor, by whatever. You, they pattern themselves after you know that. Um, but our identity, our, our character, our likeness. So as a Christian, People should know you're a Christian because you are patterning, patterning, patterning yourself after Christ. You are Christ-like. You have the character and the likeness of Christ in a nutshell. That's your core value, the foundation of your life. It is the very center of your being, the seed of your life. So that's what we agreed on. We also talked about... Um, that the things that we were, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. Um, we read in Ephesians that we were liars, cheaters, disobedient, that we were under the power of the prince of this world. Thankfully, I believe that everyone in here is born again, so we are no longer that. We discussed what we were, but we discovered that we are dead that old man is old woman, old person is dead. Dead people don't sin. That old person is dead, gone. So we don't struggle with the old things. That old identity is dead and buried. It's changed. And now that old self-esteem, yucky thing, that old caterpillar that crawled along the ground and wallowed in the muck and the mire and had little or no self-esteem is gone and now we are a beautiful new butterfly that flies. Remember the but God experience happened and now we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We soar above the things of this world. So last week, that was it in a nutshell. Last week we started to talk about the difference of what Christ, having this Christ-like identity brings to us. There's no way in one month we could possibly talk about all the changes that he brings to us. There's no way. Um, If you start to read just the book of Ephesians, we spent in Germany that song, He's Changing Me, took me right back to the Schloss in Germany. We used to sing that song all the time in Germany. And we spent one whole year studying every Wednesday night in Germany. We spent one year studying the book of Ephesians. 
on Wednesday night. One hour every Wednesday night we spent studying the book of Ephesians. Some Wednesday nights we wouldn't get past one verse and we would have to rush it to get through one verse. And this past week, reading through the bread program, if you're on track, following the program, you've been reading Ephesians. So it goes hand in hand with this. Isn't God awesome? That is, we're studying this lesson, our core value identity, that we're reading the bread program at the same time in Ephesians. So you should have been going, whoa, wow, as you're reading that. At least I was. I was going, wow, God, you are so awesome that we're reading that. And our low self-esteem, that yucky caterpillar mentality is gone. And we've had our but God experience. And the first thing that changed, one of the many things that changed, is we no longer chase after the desires of this flesh. That human nature desire is gone, but instead I'm seeking to bring glory to God in every area of my life. And our scripture for that was 1 John 2, 15 to 17. If you weren't here last week, and if you were, go back and read it again. Um, but that was our scripture re- reference, 1 John 2, 15 to 17. We're not going to um, read it again today, but we've put on Christ, and we are secure in him. Our house is locked. We don't wonder. We're secure in him. We're going to have disappointments. We're going to fail at things in life. Sometimes I'm going to mess up. I'm going to say some things and go, ah, why did I do that? But it's not going to destroy me. Troubles are going to come, but they're not going to crush me and destroy me. I'm going to fail. And then I'm going to have successes, but pride is not going to overtake me. I'm not going to become haughty and prideful. Despair is not going to overtake me. Disappointments aren't going to just put me down in gloom, despair, and agony on me. I'm not going to wallow in despair. I'm going to have some bad days in life. Trouble is going to come in this life, but it's not going to overtake me. I'm not going to get lost seeking the temporary pleasures in an empty satisfaction that the world has to offer me. That's what we talked about last week. I'm going to seek to bring glory to God in every area of my life. The second thing that we talked about is that I'm no longer going to fear the future, nor am I going to dwell on the past. And that was Romans 8, verses 14 and 15, and then Romans 8, verse 11. And we discussed that the opposite of fear is not courage. It's perfect love. Perfect love is what casts out our fear. When my mind is stayed on Jesus, I have, perfect fear is gone. I have a sound mind. Fear doesn't have any place in in a sound mind. So that's what we talked about last week in a nutshell. So moving on. We're going to talk today about we are free from comparison. When my identity, when my core value identity is secure in Christ, I'm free from comparison. When I'm out there in the world, 
I'm continually having to try to measure up to everybody else. I have to continually try to strive to be like someone else. Think about back to your teenage years if you were not secure in Christ. Oh, how I shudder to look at the teenage pictures when I was trying to look like Twiggy. Oh, yes, I have the pictures to prove it. And then we moved on. You know, there was always something that we were trying to be, someone we were trying to be like. And and sad to say, it doesn't end. We have no need to judge or compare ourselves to others when we seek to please Christ alone. When my identity is secure in Christ, then it's him that I'm trying to please. No, I don't want to offend or affront other people. But to be honest, I really don't care if you like who I am. I want you to like me, but you're not my first priority. Because if I'm not pleasing to him, I can't be pleasing to you. And if I'm pleasing to him, then I should be pleasing to you. And if there's something about me that rubs you the wrong way, then take it up with him. Because he's the only one that can change me. You can't change me, and I can't change you. Nor should I try to change you. I should try to help you. And I definitely should love you. But I have to be pleasing to him. I have to be who he made me to be. Second Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, For we dare not, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. See, the danger is if I compare myself to Karen Bell, I might measure up. But that might not be good enough to God. I have to measure myself to God in his standard. First and foremost, I can't be what she thinks I should be. I have to be who he wants me to be. And second of all, she may change next week. God forbid if she does. But if my hope and my identity is wrapped up in her, God forbid, but what if she walks away? What am I left with? I have seen people who their whole identity is wrapped up in their pastor or their pastor's wife. And then their pastor or their pastor's wife backslides. And they're blown away. The whole church goes. I'm not saying, the Bible does say, follow me as I follow Christ. But your identity, your core value identity has to be in Christ. 
I cannot compare myself among myself. Because it's too easy then to justify myself. And besides that, then I change all the time. Yes, I can glean from you. I can glean. I have gleaned so much from some wonderful women of God. And I can name some of them. I remember in Germany the first ladies retreat that I ever went to. And I remember sitting there at that table, and it was a Formica top table. It wasn't even one of those little, you know. But I sat there, and I looked up at that front of that room, and Sister Enos was standing up there, and she was so elegant. And I thought, whoa, if I could ever be half of the woman that that woman is, whoa. And I don't think that it was wrong to want to become a godly woman. But I didn't want to become Sister Enos. I just wanted to glean from some of the things that she had patterned her life after from God and the word of God. The same with Sister Dennis. The same with so many women. My dear friend, Sister Putnam. My dear friend, Sister Schumacher. I could name Sister Karen Bell. There's women that I'm friends with. that I glean from them. But they're, they don't take the place of God in my life. Does that make sense? My core value identity is patterned from the word of God. We can glean from people, but we don't get our core value identity from them. That only comes from Jesus Christ. We don't compare ourselves among ourselves. Comparing ourselves to those around us or judging the decisions that others make can suck the life right out of us. Both those in the world and those in the church. Once we're in the church, it should be obvious to those of us. And Now, this is like a no-brainer to me. I do not pattern myself after the world. The ways of the world, the styles of the world, all of it. You can take this whole world, just give me Jesus. If you say the patterns, the style, the world, I go, whoa, and I measure it with a long measuring stick. The fads of this world, I take out a big tape measure. So that, to me, should be a no-brainer. Yet, we dangerously get real close to the edge and try to do this tightrope walk and say, well, you know, maybe I can modify that and make it fit. You know, it's not so bad, so we need to be really careful with society and the fads of the world. And everybody said amen. Everybody said amen really loud. Amen. We are in the world. We're not of the world. That's a no-brainer, right? Right. Okay. So then why do we always think that we need bigger, better, newer, shinier? Doesn't our Bible tell us that godliness with contentment is great gain? Why isn't what we have good enough? Isn't that the way the world? Used to be, used to be that God's people were content. 
We bought a house and we lived in a house. We bought a car and we drove a car. We had food and we were happy. Man, no. We're always buying and getting and wanting. Oh, I need a. No, we really don't need. We just want. So we have to be really careful because that's the way of the world. That's worldliness. That's not godliness. So we need to be careful. We all said amen to that, so you agreed. So we need to be careful. And then there's the church. We have to know the difference between following the word and the fads of the time. Now, I'm going to tread on some ice here, and it's probably thick Wisconsin winter, January ice. Okay? Not the thin ice. Because there's the word. And the Bible says, I've already quoted it once, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be ye followers, followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. There's biblical convictions. And those are hard, fast truths that God has given us. And that's what we need to follow. Know the word. Study the word. Quit following the fads of the time. Know the word and follow the word. Live on the word. And then call your personal convictions just that, personal convictions. Quit trying to make your personal convictions Bible convictions. I'm not saying that if you want to fast and live off of bananas for 25 days that you can't do it. But quit calling it a Bible conviction. It's not. It's your personal conviction. Don't make it what everybody else should do. I used my personal example last week. I have never told everyone that they should not eat chocolate. Never. Never. I serve you all sugar. I indulge you in my own folly. Did I not put sugar out for you this morning? It's a personal conviction that God served up for me. I do not make it. I don't even make it a church conviction. Right? (laughs) I don't know what you two are doing back there, but behavior, I'll send you to the pastor's study. Are you getting my point? There's way too many fads that go around. Know the difference between biblical convictions, church convictions, personal convictions, and then just plain old fads. Because if you don't, it's going to blow you out of the water someday. It's way too easy to confuse them. And fads are just that. They're fads. And they will fade away. Thank you very much. There are times when the newest, latest, greatest book comes out, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's great. But it's just that. It's a fad. And there's nothing in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you want to do it, just do it. 
If you want to pray in that particular way, then just do it. But don't make it like everyone else is wrong because they don't do it. Just because I want to wear fuchsia every day of the week for the next 99 and a half days doesn't make the rest of you wrong because you don't wear fuchsia for the next 99 and a half days. It's my own personal fad. I found it on sale and it's just what I want to do. Right? Are you getting my point? Fads are just that. They're fads. They come and go. Twiggy was just a fad for a while, and now she's come back around again. Well, kind of, sort of. Everybody's got, you know, that kind of style going around again. And things come and go. Things come and go. For a while, we're supposed to. But in the church, things kind of come and go. We have these fads of certain kind of fasts. We have fads of certain kind of prayers. We have fads of certain kind of worship styles. We have fads of certain kind of things. And in and of themselves, they're not wrong to a point. They're only wrong when we start to compare ourselves among ourselves and make your, this side of the church is wrong because they're not doing it how this side of the church is doing it. And they're, well, our core values we're talking about our core value identity here. I'm not getting off topic. Our core value identity has to be secure in Christ. We can't compare ourselves among ourselves. I have to know my core value identity and be secure in that. My personal convictions have to be secure, and they can't be based on the fads in the wind of time. I have to know what the Word says. The word says, worship me in the beauty of holiness. The word says that when I fast and when I pray, I need to do it. It's a private thing. You don't need to know how I fast. You don't need to know how. I, it's a private thing. It, my convictions are my convictions. My church convictions are my church convictions. My biblical convictions are good for everybody. We, we have certain core values my identity is secure in Christ. I don't compare myself to everybody else. Does that make sense? So don't follow all the fads of the time. Or you're going to get confused. Am I confusing you? Okay. Our identity has to be secure in Christ. When it is, we'll glorify God. And don't compare yourself among yourselves with your gifts and your blessings. Some of us may be millionaires. Some of us may be thousandaires. <laughs> God knows what each one of us can handle. Some of us may have ten talents. Some of us may have one talent. God may know that that person with ten talents can handle ten talents and not get high and haughty with them. And the person with one talent can handle one talent and do it for all with God's glory. God may know that the person with the one talent can handle one talent and do it all. Clean toilets to the best of their ability and make them sparkle, shine, and do it and sing the whole time that they're doing it. 
run that lawnmower like nobody's business and keep those lines just as straight as can be. And God knows. Wouldn't it be sad if we had no one to vacuum the church? To empty the trash? Wouldn't it be sad if we had no one to teach the children? Wouldn't it be sad if we had no one to change the light bulbs? Wouldn't it be sad if we had no one to make the coffee? Wouldn't it be sad if we had no one to start the the computers? Wouldn't it be sad if we had no one to run the copies? Wouldn't it be sad? What if all we had was someone to preach the sermon? What if what if a church of a thousand people had a thousand people to preach the sermons every Sunday and no one to do anything else? Wouldn't that be an effective church? No. God knows who to place in every church. Do not despise your gift. And if you don't know what your gift is, and if you are not doing something in the church, and I'm going to go around and look everybody right in the eyeball. If you're not looking at my eyeball, then you're wrong, because I'm looking for your eyeballs. Then you should be looking for what you are supposed to be doing, because everybody is supposed to be doing something. Everybody is supposed to be doing something. And no one is supposed to be doing everything. God has given everybody at least one thing to be doing. And when your core value identity is secure in Christ, you will do everything that you are supposed to be doing for God's glory and love doing it. I remember I could take you back to the very steps I was standing on. When I was asked if I would start cleaning the church in Germany. Oh, I was so honored and so excited that I was thought worthy to clean the toilets and the urinals in God's house. <sighs> wow. I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I still get tingle bumps when I thought, whoa, you're going to let me come here and clean the house of God? Wow. Wow. I get to come in here with the pastor's wife, with the missionaries, and clean the house of God? Whoa. You're asking me to do that? Do you know how I am? Whoa. Wow. I could take you back there today if I could afford an airline ticket for everybody to go. Everybody has a place. But if our core value identity is not secure in Christ, then the enemy will just keep sucking the joy right out of us. And we'll continue to compare ourselves and we'll think, well, I'm not as good as that person because I can't do that. And it'll suck the joy right out of us. Don't miss the blessing of the gift that God has for you. Okay, number four, we should be prepared for suffering. How many of you woke up this morning and signed up for suffering? 
You jumped out of bed and you said, whoa, I'm ready for it, God. Bring it on. Okay, I didn't think so. I didn't think I'd get a lot of amens on that one. Okay. So, Romans 8, verses 16 and 17 says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if the children then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. Oh, everybody likes that one. That we may be glorified together. Also glorified together. We love suffering. No, we don't. I would be surprised if we did. John 16.33 says, In the world we shall have tribulation. 2 Corinthians 1 and 4 says, He comforts us in our tribulation. This verse tells me that if he's going to comfort me in my tribulation, then I must have tribulation. I mean, he wouldn't need to give me comfort in something I'm not going to have, right? So he wouldn't be telling me that he's going to comfort me in something I'm not going to have. So we all really like the scriptures that promise us blessings. We all sign up for that. But we kind of don't like the guarantees of the sufferings. And rightfully so. I mean, none of us just sign up for suffering and tribulation. But when our core value identity is secure in Christ, then I'm pretty much guaranteed that it's coming. But you know what? Even if your core value identity is not secure in Christ, you're guaranteed a suffering. And I told you that last week. It's going to rain on the just and the unjust. We talked about that last week. When the thunderstorm happens, if you're outside, it doesn't matter. If you're Holy Ghost filled or not Holy Ghost filled, you're going to get wet. The difference is, if you're Holy Ghost filled, you may or should have a different attitude about it. When your trials, when your tribulations, when your suffering comes, if you are born again, if you have your core value identity secure in Christ, when your trials, when your tribulations come, your attitude, your response should be different. Because he's right there to comfort you. Remember, you've put on Christ. You're zipped up, buttoned up, snapped up, secure in him. You've already read Ephesians 6 this week. You've already put on the armor. Your helmet's already in place. Your mind is already protected. If your identity is in Christ, then you're guaranteed that you're going to suffer. Christ's sufferings were not hopeless and wasted. So you can be sure that what you're going through is not just for the fun of God to stand up there and watch you suffer too. He will work it for a purpose. Anything and everything that he allows, he will bring good out of it. Christ's sufferings defeated sin and death. Our trials and our tribulations, Romans 5 and 3 tell us, work patience in us. 
you don't have to pray for patience. Troubles and trials are going to come your way, and they'll just, if you allow them to, will work patience in you. They're going to come. So when you allow them to do it, they'll work patience in you. Now, if you fight against it, then you'll have to just go through it, and next time maybe they'll work some more patience in you. They are also a witness to other people of Christ's power in you. How you respond is a witness either for Christ or contrary to Christ. Because either people go, whoa, or they go, whoa. Remember, it's that same word, but two different meanings. So everything that you're going through, people are watching you. We live in a glass house. People are always checking us out. So everything that we go through, they're checking us out to see how we respond. You don't even know that people are watching you. But they are watching you. And how you respond in any given situation is either going to draw them to Christ or push them away. You are a witness in everything you do, every word you say, every place you go, and every action and reaction that you have. It identifies you, it marks you, and it says whose you belong to, who you belong to, whose you are. Are you Christ or are you someone else's? The past few years have been like a theme of like suffering going through it in my life, and I'm sure that several of you can raise your hand and say, yep, there with you, um, didn't sign up for it, didn't go buy the ticket for it, but it just comes. Life kind of brings that sometimes. You know, you don't have to buy the ticket for it, but it just comes at times in our lives. But the difference between us and other people is, again, when we are secure in Christ, we have a hope. And that's why it's so important that we know that we put on Christ, that we're secure in him. Everyone suffers, yet not everyone can wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, I know that you're with me. It doesn't matter what the day brings. I know that you walk with me. Not everyone can look back at the end of the day and say, wow. Not everyone can look back at the end of the year and say, whoa, how did I make it through the year? Oh, I know. Not I, but Christ in me. My hope is in Christ. My identity. It's because my core value identity is secure in him. That's how you make it through. Be ready to give an answer of the hope that's in you. When people say, how do you do it? It's Jesus. When we trust and rely on Jesus, that is when we find joy and treasure. It's only then that we can go through the everyday pains that life brings sometimes. You know, sometimes we just go through life and it's like, wow, it really is a rose garden. 
But then every once in a while, there's that thorn. And then sometimes life is just day after day after day after day after day. There's just those times in life. It's just life. There are those times in life. But it doesn't, we, we can be pressed down, but we don't have to be destroyed. And there is a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. You don't seem happy today. No, I am not happy today. I am not happy with what is going on. But I am thinking myself happy. (laughs) I am making it through. I am thinking enough to put a smile on my face and not smack someone right upside the head. I mean, that's, that's honesty. I mean, sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves. Maybe you're not as Norwegian as I am. I, that's just the Norwegian in me. Sometimes I have to have a good talk with myself. Pam, you need to think yourself happy. Because right now, God, I am not happy. I am not happy, God. And if I don't tell you how I feel right now, God, I will not be a happy camper. But the joy of the Lord is always my strength. I can't lose the joy of the Lord. Because if I, joy is a state of being. There's a difference between my emotions. My emotions are human. If you do something, you can make me unhappy for a moment. But then I can think myself happy again. You can't control me. You can do something for an instant that can go, whoa. And have an emotional impact on me for a second. But then I can think myself back and get myself right again. I mean, we've talked about the finger in the door, but if you slap me, it's going to hurt. Then I have an instantaneous second response there. And I have to think for just an instant. Am I going to respond in flesh or in Holy Ghost? And I have to think myself happy and turn the other cheek. Because in my humanity, if that humanity doesn't stay crucified, right? So I have to think myself happy. All of us have to keep that spiritual man renewed. We have to think ourselves happy. We have to keep ourselves, we have to keep that joy of the Lord strengthened in our lives. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. We have to live in the kingdom of God here on earth. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's our core value identity. Living right, righteousness, staying in a state of peace, and having the joy of the Lord. That's our core value identity. Happiness has nothing to do with it. God is not worried about you being happy. He could care less if you're happy in life. He wants you holy. Your happiness is not on God's radar screen. He wants you holy. Be ye happy for I am happy. It's not in the Bible. Be ye holy for I am holy. 
God is not sending things into your life to make you happy. He's sending things into your life to make you holy. That's why he sends suffering into your life, to make you holy. Work on it. Oop. Obviously, I need a whole lot more work on holiness, because, or someone else around me does, because he's using me to perfect them. I'll prefer to think of it that way, and I'll turn my page. I'll remember also that the outward man continues to perish. It's the inward man that's renewed day by day. Now, it's not, remember, it's not just this, it's not just this, like, 60-year-old person. It's this flesh vessel. It's the spiritual person. It's the spirit in me that's renewed day by day. Day by day, I need to feed the spirit, the Holy Ghost in me. I need to keep that alive. I need to renew the spirit in me day by day. I need to quit feeding the worldliness out there. It's an onslaught. We were talking about that last night. You know, we get up in the morning and turn on the news and run to work and do this and do that and ah, ah, eight, ten, twelve hours a day and it's an onslaught and then, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this day. Shoot, off to sleep we go. And wonder why the spirit man in us is not renewed day by day. And think that two hours on Sunday morning is going to do it? No. I need to keep that inward man renewed day by day. It's up to us what gets renewed. Core value identities, who we are in Christ. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Keep repeating that to yourself over and over and over and over again this week. That's your homework. Finish up your sheet. We have one more week next Sunday, but your homework this week is to keep repeating to yourself over and over the kingdom of God. Right now, here, you can have it. Here on this earth. Not this world out there, but right here on this earth. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The world will tell you that you have to be living in turmoil. That you have to be running around like a dog chasing your tail. But you don't. You can have peace. You can have joy by having your core value identity secure in Christ. Righteousness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Keep repeating that to yourself over and over and over again this week. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Enjoy your break, and we'll see you back at 1030 for service. God bless you.